When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Rudder Dead is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new mystery books to read but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. And TBR is available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 88, and we are recording on Tuesday, October 20th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you doing? I'm good. Today's my mom's birthday, so like, I apologize in advance that if like my entire family's being too loud... <laughs> But they're all like hanging out downstairs and I felt bad being like, hey, can you all be quiet now? (laughs) Well, happy birthday, Rincey's mom. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. We bought uh, a bunch of sushi because she loves sushi and uh, just had trays of it and sat around the kitchen table talking about politics. So good times. (laughs) Whoa, (laughs) like politics and sushi are like two of my no-go things right now. So So definitely don't do this for Katie's birthday. No, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, please, please don't try to feed me sushi. It's not it's not going to be good. <laughs> no, we're I mean, the politics talk was fine. I mean, we disagree on things, but it's fine. And then uh, but also it was just because like my mom got her mail in ballot. And so she was like, can you just make sure I don't like mess this up? And I'm like, yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> yeah, I've received my mail in ballot, too. In fact, I th- dropped it off yesterday evening, completed it. I completed it during the vice presidential debate. And I dropped it off yesterday evening, and so that is done. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, I've done all I can do in that regard. Yeah, I, I plan on going to early vote this week, and so I am uh, getting myself prepared. I'm trying to try to like go. I think on like Wednesday or Thursday is supposed to be like a not so cold day this week. So that's my goal is to go after work and this later this week when it's like not quite as cold outside, just because. You know, I don't know how long long the lines are going to be when I get there. (laughs) Yeah. And if anyone is preparing to do in-person early voting in the United States, if you haven't seen already, a a lot of places are seeing long lines for in-person early voting. So, you know, get there when you can. Just prepare to wait and stand in line and know that you are doing your civic duty by voting. Yes, it's 100% important that everyone goes and votes if you are eligible. So definitely uh, double check all that information in advance and have a plan ready for when you go vote. Absolutely. 
All right, before we jump into the episode, I have our first sponsor, and that is Abrams, who is the publishers of In the Study with the Wrench by Diana Petrofrund, which uh, if you haven't already figured it out, because I feel like we've talked about her and this book and the series quite a bit, uh, we're fans of it here. This is the thrilling sequel to a must-read YA series inspired by the classic board game Clue. In the aftermath of Headmaster Bobby's murder, Blackbrook Academy has been thrown into complete disarray. Half the student body hasn't bothered to return to campus, but those who have include Orchid, Vaughn, Scarlet, Peacock, Plum, and Mustard, now warily referred to by the other students as the murder crew. When another staff member is found dead and an anonymous threat begins to target the group, each of the teen's opportunistic reasons for sticking around might come to light. Orchid's identity comes under question when Vaughn's family life takes a turn, Finn and Mustard grow closer, and Scarlet and Beth struggle to turn over new leaves. All of this comes to a dramatic head at Tudor House with a cliffhanger that will leave readers eager for the final installment in the series. Like I said, this is a young adult series. It's inspired by the board game Clue, which, you know, all of us are big fans of. Uh, if you haven't watched the movie or read the books before or played the game, uh, it's really, really fun. And so this is a new young adult series that basically takes the characters and puts them in kind of like an alternate universe situation. Katie read the first book in the series up for the middle grade episode that we did a month or two ago, I think at this point. And so I, ever since she talked about it, I basically like immediately went and got the book from the library. And so now book two is out. So if you were like a fan of the book, or you liked how it sounded when Katie first talked about it, uh, you can pick up book one of the series, which is in the hall with the knife, which is also available now in paperback. Um, and so again, book two is called in the study with the wrench. And we thank Abrams for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, it is such a, the first book was so much fun. And I am so excited to read the second book in the series. So it gets a couple of excited thumbs up from me. All right. Well, to our new listeners, welcome to our longtime listeners. Welcome back. As always, we're delighted to have you here when we're not doing PSAs about the importance of voting and exercising your civic duty. We talk about mystery novels and suspense novels and thrillers and true crime and just about anything that falls under that umbrella, whether it's movie adaptations or new subgenres or news about a particular author or whatever the case may be. If it falls under that umbrella, it's fair game and we're probably going to end up talking about it. And if you have listened to the show before, you know that this is the point where we put out a call to our lovely listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for things that you'd like us to talk about on future episodes. Whether you're looking for read-alikes for a particular novel, whether you, there's a subgenre that you're interested in exploring more, whether you want to hear us talk about a particular format, like if you really want to hear us talk about audiobooks, Hint, hint, keep listening to this episode for more information about that. But whatever the case may be, if there's something that you're interested in hearing about, we want to hear about it because we want to make sure that we're, we're putting together episodes that are interesting for people to listen to. So we will have our contact information at the end of the show. But we always put out this message at the beginning to kind of get those, get those gears turning while, while we chat. And we've had some really, really fantastic ideas that come from everyone who have sent us an email or let us know what they'd like, to, like us to talk about on the show. And it really helps us plan out future episodes. And it introduces us to new books and new authors that we may not have otherwise 
discovered on our own. So thank you to everyone who has reached out to us. Even if you don't have an idea and just want to say hi, we love that too. We love hearing from people. And with that, I guess, uh, Rinzi, you want to kick off our news segment? Yeah, I'm going to start things off on a little bit of a sad note here. So our little, uh, what I'm going to call our pet book, because (laughs) it somehow has become that. Uh, The President is Missing by uh, Bill Clinton, President, former President Bill Clinton and James Patterson, originally was picked up by Showtime in order to become a TV show, has now officially been canceled, which is, you know, so sad. (laughs) I mean, I guess it just depends. But like, I have like a weird affinity to this book now after we've done our episode about it. Like, I feel like kind of attached to this book as well as like the upcoming book that they're writing together and whatnot. But it is, you know, disappointing. A lot of networks are canceling a lot of things specifically because of the coronavirus pandemic um, halting production on so many different things. And so like, this was a show that was like, basically uh ready to go like they had fully cast it everything was in place um and then everything halted obviously in mid-march amongst the pandemic and so now showtime has opted not to move forward with the pilot it is very possible katie putting this out to me before we started uh that another network or streaming service or something along those lines might pick it up after like everything kind of calms down a little bit and hollywood is able to record television shows again so you know fingers crossed I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I mean, I'm a little bit sad. I was telling Katie this, that like part of me was hoping that this would at least come to air. So that way we could do another episode all about The President is Missing, just because I'm also very intrigued to see like how they turn it into a TV show, like movie I could definitely see, but TV show might be different. But also like the way that they were pitching the show sounds a little bit different than the book, but I guess it has to be. So yes, the show is no longer going to be a thing, at least not anytime in the near future. Sad news for Jimmy P and President Clinton. <laughs> Jimmy P. <laughs> Look, at this point, we talk about him enough. We might as well just start giving him a nickname. <laughs> Jimmy P. I love it. <laughs> oh, sad news for Jimmy P. Okay, well, on slightly happy, a slightly happier note for, uh, especially for those of you with a lot of nostalgia for the mid '90s. Rick Porter at The Hollywood Reporter reports that Amazon is doing a TV series reboot of I Know What You Did Last Summer, which, of course, is everyone's favorite cheesetastic horror movie from the mid-90s. And what a lot of people don't realize is that it's actually based on a young adult book. Granted, it was written in 1973. It's by Lois Duncan. It's one of one of her most famous books. And this was actually a book that I was assigned to read in seventh grade because we had a really cool English teacher. Um, but I remember reading this book in seventh grade and then watching the movie. And the book is actually a really good mystery. And it's very different than the movie. Like there isn't someone in the book walking around in fishing gear with a hook for a hand like that's not in the book but the book is is was a really good mystery from what i remembered the movie from the 90s was just 90s teen horror at its peak and now amazon is turning it into a tv show so i am really interested to see how this will be different from the movie. I mean, obviously, teen culture has changed immensely. But in terms of the storyline, in terms of the characters, 
I'm interested to see what they'll do differently. Because this is such a well-known movie, I'm interested to, to see how they change it and how they make it still surprising for viewers. So fingers crossed that this one does not end up getting canceled because I would be interested to watch this one. All right. In more sort of revival-esque news, it is being reported in Deadline by Peter White that Dexter is coming back to Showtime for a limited series revival of the show. So if you aren't aware, Dexter was made into a TV show. Uh, It ran from 2006 to 2013 and starred Michael C. Hall. It was a really good show that ended, at least in my opinion, in not so great ways, (laughs) but uh, it was really great while for like the first couple of seasons and stuff like that. And so apparently they are rebooting it for a limited series. And there's not a whole lot of information in terms of like who is going to be in it and how they are going to be handling it. The show ended in very intriguing ways, I will just say. I'm not obviously I can't really talk about it too much because I don't want to spoil the show if anyone still hasn't seen it yet. But there's definitely a lot of sort of like exactly are they going to do here because a whole lot of stuff happens <laughs> towards the end of the series so yeah if you were a big fan of Dexter and uh wanted to see some more of it there is going to be a limited series coming to showtime all right and then Lexi Perez with the Hollywood Reporter actually has a couple of news pieces that were really interesting well first off we've talked in a recent episode about Ruman Alam's new thriller Leave the World Behind it's been getting a ton of of publicity and a bunch of really fantastic reviews. And Netflix has jumped on it and is going to be adapting it into a a limited series. So not many details at this point. I mean, the book was only was only released just a couple of weeks ago, but Netflix is apparently seeing what everyone else is seeing in the book and they snagged the rights to that. They do have right now Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington attached to it. So hopefully that casting stays because that's, I mean, you can't get two bigger A-list celebrities than Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington. So as more news about this comes out, we will keep you updated. But this sounds like it's going to, it's going to be a really, a really big series that Netflix is putting a lot of publicity and manpower behind. Also, just, I just wanted to say, I think I... I don't like this isn't like 100% gospel. So but I'm pretty sure like I haven't read the book yet. But I heard that like, there's a character that Ruban Alam wrote in the book. And he like basically had Denzel Washington in mind. So like he's described in a way like he's described looking like and like being referenced to Denzel Washington. Like I think it's like a thing that like, if you've read the book, you know what you're talking about. But it's like a thing that's teases like there's like a character that either like is or is kind of like Denzel Washington. And so I think like the casting was also like, partially because of that, too. Well, gosh, that makes it easy. Just when you write a book, just do your casting, put your your casting choices in the actual book. And then wait for Netflix to pick it up. (laughs) Exactly. That's that's the big brain play. (laughs) All right. And then the other piece of news is not um, adaptation news, but Stacey Abrams. Yes, Stacey Abrams, the Georgia governor candidate who has just been a huge force in the political world. Previously, she has written romance novels under a pseudonym. And next year, she is releasing a political thriller novel called While Justice Sleeps. And right now, it's set to be published in late May 2021. 
And it's what we know about the book so far is that it takes place within the Supreme Court, centers on a young law clerk who works for a legendary justice. And when the justice slips into a coma, the law clerk is left to serve as his power of attorney and legal guardian. And it's there where she learns about a controversial case that he has been researching and a possible conspiracy that might be infiltrating the all of the political corridors in Washington. So I'm imagining that she probably started writing this book a while ago, but with news of the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, this is a little going, oh gosh, this is, this is very, this is very timely. Um, just having, having a, an ill, uh, justice and having that be the center of the book. But at any rate, I am so interested to see how this plays out. I really hope that this is that this becomes a well-reviewed book because I just have so much respect for Stacey Abrams as a politician and a change maker. And I think it is so cool that she is putting out a political thriller. Yeah, it kind of like makes complete sense because if a kind of like open secret about Stacey Abrams is that she's written at least one, if not multiple romance novels. And I've heard like relatively good things about those romance novels too so i'm very intrigued to see like what she does with a political thriller especially considering she has experience with all of that stuff all right and then finally uh the anthony awards were held this weekend uh, obviously virtually uh not in real life like they usually are it was held during ButcherCon 2020 and Again, originally supposed to be held in Sacramento, but they did it all online. And so the awards have now officially been announced. It's funny because like the actual ButcherCon Anthony Awards website has not been updated with the winners. So pu- bu- luckily, Publishers Weekly and Lenny Pickler have uh, provided that information for us. So the winner for Best Novel was Hank Philippi Ryan for The Murder List. And she actually won on her birthday. It's listed here, which is like, what a great birthday present. Tara Lukowski won for One Night Gone for Best First Novel. Best Critical Nonfiction went to Mo Moulton for The Mutual Admiration Society, How Dorothy L. Sayers and Her Oxford Circle Remade the World for Women. Um, and then Best Young Adult went to Seven Ways to Get Rid of Harry by Jen Conley. There's also a couple of other awards in there that I didn't mention, but uh, there'll be a link to the show notes in case you want to check that out and kind of see uh, who else won. So congratulations to all of the winners. All right. So before we jump into the main part of our discussion, I have the second sponsor for our episode, which is Nightfire and Come Join Us by the Fire Season 2. So Nightfire is a new imprint from Tom Doherty Associates focusing exclusively on horror. And Come Join Us by the Fire Season 2 is a free audio production that showcases a wide collection of horror stories from emerging voices in the genre, as well as longtime fan favorites. So horror has always taken so many different shapes. And Season 2 for Come Join Us by the Fire focuses on the complex ways it manifests itself in stories, whether through inexplicable holes in reality, creatures that go bump and worse in the night, or the sinister ways our own minds can twist against us. So some of the standout authors from season two 
include original stories by people such as Daniel M. Lavery, who wrote The Merry Spinster a couple of years ago. Daniel Lavery is also Dear Prudence on Slate, which is one of my favorite advice columns, which is not at all horror related. I just wanted to put in a plug for that. I love that column. But he is going to be featured in this season, along with Laird Barron and just tons of other authors. So again, Come Join Us by the Fire is available for free exclusively on Google Play. And you can visit tornightfire.com for more information. That's T-O-R-N-I-G-H-T-F-I-R-E.com. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. All right. So our main topic for this episode is audiobooks. I don't think we've done an audiobook specific episode at all for like the entire run of our show. Is that correct, Kitty? Am I wrong about that? Well, my memory is like Swiss cheese right now. That's so true. I'm not the best person to ask. But if we have it, if we have done an episode like that, it's been a while. So I think we're due regardless. Yeah. And I think it's funny. Well, I mean, it it's one of those things where like at this point, audiobooks are such like a normal part of my reading life that I don't think about them as being something special anymore, if that makes any sense. Like it's just like what I it's just like one other way I consume books. So I think it like kind of makes sense if we haven't done an audiobook specific episode, because I feel like half of the time when I'm talking about books on here, there's, you know, like 50% of the time it's an audiobook that I've actually listened to and as opposed to like reading a physical book or an ebook or anything like that. Yeah, I I listen to a fair number of audiobooks. I have found myself in a little bit more of an audiobook rut over the last, oh, I don't know, maybe year or so, where it has to be the right book on audio for me to start listening to it. I'm I'm pickier in terms of narrator, in terms of like what experience I want to have while listening, what I plan on doing while I'm listening to the audiobook. And so for me, it's very, very mood based. So I have not listened to as many audiobooks as I would have preferred to, because it is such a good way to basically consume more books. I mean, audiobooks are made for multitasking. So I've been trying to prod myself into like, staying on top of, you know, chores in the apartment and like doing laundry and stuff. I said, like, hey, you can listen to an audiobook. But my brain has just kind of been rebelling against me for a while. But yeah, I do. I do listen to audiobooks at least fairly regularly. So they are part of my book consumption routine to some extent. So like, for me now for me I have found that most of the audiobooks that I've really really enjoyed have been mystery suspense thriller true crime in our little red or dead umbrella yeah and I don't know if it's the just the general fast-paced nature of these types of stories or what it or what it is that makes these kind of my go-to genre for listening to audiobooks but like do you find that you listen to like more mysteries and thrillers on audio than other genres or like yeah how do you audio <laughs> <laughs> I think so for me I got into audiobooks I feel like relatively late I'm doing kind of like air quotes around that because I don't even know like what that really means like it didn't really become a thing until like digital audiobooks really started picking up and even then like I started with nonfiction. Because I was already listening to podcasts. And I feel like if you listen to podcasts, listening to a nonfiction book on audio is kind of similar. And then when it came to like starting to read, listen to fiction, mysteries and thrillers and the suspense and all of that stuff also was basically like my next step. Like I remember 
the very first fiction audiobook that I finished was the first Veronica Mars book. And so the first book in like the Veronica Mars series by Rob Thomas that he put out after the movie came out. And I listened to that one specifically because uh, Kristen Bell, I almost said Veronica Mars, Kristen Bell narrates it. (laughs) I mean, technically Veronica Mars is narrating it. But anyways, um, Kristen Bell narrates the first book in the series. And uh, if you watch the TV show, uh, the whole thing is like has Veronica Mars, Veronica, the character, like narrating the show. Um, so it was almost like the perfect sort of handoff into a book and audiobook format because like the audiobook feels so much like you're just watching the TV show and like it is like supremely done. If you are a fan of Veronica Mars and you haven't listened to the Veronica Mars audiobooks, I highly, highly, highly recommend them because it just legitimately feels like you are in an episode of Veronica Mars uh, while you're reading those books. It's it's fantastic. So I remember like that specifically being the thing. And then as I've like sort of expanded a little bit, uh, yeah, mysteries, thrillers, suspense, all of that has been like my main go to in terms of fiction stuff. And I think it is again, one, it's like fast paced. So it like keeps you going in a way that generally like literary fiction, let's say something that's less plot driven. Uh, it's easier for me to stop listening to an audiobook that's like literary fiction and then like not be as compelled to pick it back up again, even though I'm someone who like loves literary fiction and like contemporary fiction and stuff like that but something about like the suspense and like the needing to know and wanting to know like it'll keep me going and keep me going back to an audiobook especially because like audiobooks aren't my primary form of consuming books and so like some I'm the same way where I kind of need a reason to be listening to an audiobook um so like it'll give me an excuse of like oh I'm gonna go for a walk and so I will be able to listen to my audiobook then or oh I'm gonna like do the laundry now and like fold on my laundry or do the dishes or back clean up around the house or whatever. And like coming up with almost like excuses to be able to listen to an audiobook happens more often when you're like really compelled by the story. And obviously like mystery, suspense, all of that stuff is kind of written that way in general. And so if you're someone who like maybe doesn't listen to a lot of audiobooks and you can't really get into audiobooks as much, I feel like mysteries, thrillers, stuff like that, that's really like plot heavy really lends itself well to the audiobook format and especially because like you it's kind of like a movie almost and it's like plays Mm -hmm. out in front of your eyes in that way except through your ears um (laughs) so yeah i feel like yeah i feel like that whole like atmosphere you know building tension all of that stuff it like is perfect for audiobooks yeah and for it's interesting because also for for me too like i'm very picky about narrators or i should say I'm open to listening to to different narrators. Like I'm not I'm not someone where I'm like I will only listen to books narrated by these people, but I am very quick to notice when a narrator is not doing it for me. And yeah. that for me can some people can listen to just about anything. And you know, it's on audio, I'll listen to it. If the narrator's not great for the story, uh, well, I'll still listen to it. For me, a narrator can absolutely kill a story for me. And I have, you know, I found I list I also listen to a lot of audiobooks for titles that I have already read in print. And listening to them on audio is kind of a, like a new way for me to experience it. And I've had books with that I loved reading in print, but listening to them on audio, for whatever reason, if the narrator is not hitting it right, I will have a completely different experience. And I will come away from going like, oh, gosh, I did not enjoy that as much as I did with the reading it the first time. So yeah, it's, it can be a very delicate balance for me. Like I remember one time I was listening to a, I think it was a Stephen King novella. And the the story was very, very dark. And 
the woman narrating the story had such a high-pitched and kind of like a, not sickeningly sweet, but like a simpering kind of voice, and it just didn't match at all. Like, even if that's kind of what the character is supposed to be, the the way the book was read and the content of the story was just so off-kilter that it absolutely killed my enjoyment of the story. And I was like, I okay, make a note of who that was and don't listen to any more audiobooks that this person narrates. But yeah, for me, it can. it's really interesting how much that can change the experience of the story. Yeah, it's really all about like making that right choice. It's just like acting. And like, if you don't cast the right person in a role, that can make or break how you feel about a character. Um, and it's the same thing with like audiobooks and audiobook narrators. Like I would say like my main pet peeve with all audiobooks is like when it's usually when men are doing female voices, but also sometimes Ugh. when women are doing male voices and they like change their voices too much or it's like a caricature of what a woman and a man sounds like where I'm just like, oh, I can't I can't do this. <laughs> That's usually a make or break moment for me if I can like get into a book and they don't like over exaggerate uh other characters in a way that like really if it they do it too much it'll really really turn me off or like you know the other thing is obviously like accents uh if you're doing characters who are from other countries and the narrator is not from that country or not good at doing accents and that can really uh ruin the experience for me too so those are probably like my main turnoffs when listening to audiobook but i usually do try to listen to like the little previews that you can get on like you know whatever audiobook website you use, all of them will usually have preview. So I always try to preview a narrator before I uh, jump into an audiobook, that's for sure. Well, you know, you actually provided a fantastic segue to the specific book that I wanted to talk about when you mentioned accents. So the audiobook that I wanted to talk about on this episode is one that I have talked about. It's been probably a couple of years since I listened to it. But this for me was such... This was such a compelling audio experience. I don't think I would have enjoyed the story as much as if I had read it in print, which was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it. And this book is called Beneath the Mountain by Luca D'Andrea. It's translated from the Italian by Howard Curtis, and Charles Constant is the narrator. So this book is set in the Italian Dolomites, and it the main character is an American, a New York City native named Jeremiah Salinger. And he had he when he was in New York, he was part of this big hotshot documentary making team. But then the documentary work just gets completely uprooted, his life gets uprooted, and he moves with his wife, Annalise, who grew up in the Italian Dolomites. He moves with her and their young their young daughter Clara to this tiny little Italian village so that Annalise can be close to her father. And this book primarily takes place in Italy in this very in but it's not it's not what you think of when it when you think when you think Italy. Like this is a very small community. They are, you know, it they're it was once part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire that's more Austro-Hungarian than Italian. And so it's just that the the place itself is really interesting. But what I loved about this book was the way that the narrator, the way he does the accents. Now, I have 
it's possible that someone who is from that region may listen to this and go, oh my gosh, that accent is terrible. <laughs> but as an American listening to it, the accents felt very authentic. And so I just felt like I was just transported into this very, very small sheltered village. And the story itself is very atmospheric. The author's writing is very atmospheric. And there's a lot of, he spends a lot of time describing the, you know, the very dangerous looking mountains and the the deep forests and the valleys and just the mystery of it. And he does a really good job conveying that, but the narrator also does a really good job conveying that as well. And the reason why the, we're talking about this in a mystery and suspense podcast is because Jeremiah has promised his wife that he's not going to become obsessed to the point of possible destruction the way he did when he was when he was making documentaries. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, sacrifice the well-being of our family, of our marriage, of my own health and well-being. I'm go we're going to, you know, just kind of take it easy. Well, that doesn't happen because he he's out with his with his little girl. They are exploring this area called the Blätterbach, and it's a canyon that's just rich in in fossils. And this that comes into play later in the story. And while he's there, he hear overhears people talking about a brutal triple murder that happened in the mid '80s. Their you know their bodies were just torn apart by a killer who was never found, and Jeremiah's obsession is just immediately triggered. And he's like, I have to know more about what happened. And the book is, it's such a, it's a slow burn type of a story. But the the way it's told is just, it's so rich, it's so atmospheric. And the the mystery is really, really compelling. And there are all these little, there are these little tangents and side stories that happen. But it just ends up, rather than feeling disjointed, it just creates this really rich, listening experience. And I enjoyed the heck out of this audiobook. I enjoyed it so much more than I thought I was going to. It was one that I kind of picked on a whim. I'm like, eh, we'll see how this works. I'd heard good things about the book, but I'm like, oh, we'll see how it goes. And I just ended up loving it on audio. And I really, truly believe that I would not have had the same experience listen or reading it in print. So again, that book is called Beneath the Mountain by Luca D'Andrea, translated by Howard Curtis, and read for audio by Charles Constant. All right, my book also kind of uh, fits into this theme of accents and whatnot, because I the book I'm going to talk about is The Searcher by Tana French. And like, you know, we talk about Tana French all the time. So like, I'm not going to be really jumping into it. But I just wanted to say like, this is one of those books where it's like, significantly slower, like, it felt even slower to me than The Witch Elm. I mean, they're probably comparable in terms of like plotting and speed and stuff like that. But it's interesting because you were saying earlier, Katie, that like you are doing less audiobook listening this year. And I feel like I'm doing more uh, this year, partially because like my brain is like processing information in a completely different way this year than it ever has before. You know, 2020, whatever, we all know the drill. Um, and so I feel like audiobooks have kind of been like a great way for me to keep reading through this year, even when like, I really can't handle like physical books or ebooks or anything along those lines, like processing words visually just is not working. Um, and so I feel like I've been turning to audiobooks a lot. And so I felt that way with The Searcher by Tana French. Um, like I said, it's like a slow moving plot. And like, I my brain cannot focus 
for slow moving anything <laughs> these days. <laughs> so I uh, when I started reading the book, I was just like, oh, this is not working for me in terms of like actually focusing. So I was like, I'm just going to buy the audiobook of it and use one of my credits for that. And I'm really glad that I did because I don't think I would have finished the book otherwise. Um, Roger Clark is the narrator of The Searcher, and he does a really, really good job. If you aren't aware, The Searcher follows a character who was a Chicago cop and ends up moving to Ireland. And so he's basically going back and forth between narrating the book from this character's point of view, who's American, but then also he's basically surrounded by Irish people. And so he has to go back and forth between an American and an Irish accent. And I, I obviously I'm not Irish, so I can't like necessarily say like how authentic it is. But to me, it felt authentic and it didn't feel like a caricature of Irish people. And so I was very surprised by that because I was expecting Basically, anytime anyone does accents, I'm always just impressed by anyone who can do an accent while partially just because I'm also terrible at doing accents. So (laughs) I think that's just impressive on its own. But I think also like his voice has like that right sort of like older, gravelly sort of feeling to it. And I think he does just like a really good job of like narrating the story in a way that like, you know, all of the characters, they all sound very distinct from each other. But again, he's a male narrator. So like he could have easily made the female character sound really um, obnoxious, like super high pitched or anything like that. He doesn't he just like changes his inflection slightly or changes like the cadence and the rhythms of his words and the way he says things for different characters. And it like makes all the difference. Um, I think like one of the things for me personally with audiobooks is like being able to tell the characters apart, like who's speaking when and things like that, especially if it is just one narrator. And I feel like for this, like no problems at all with any of that. Like it was really, really well done. And this is actually like my first time listening to any ton of French books. So I don't know if he does these some of the other ones or not, or if this is his first time doing a ton of French book. But I thought he did a really, really good job. Like I legitimately Googled the narrator and was like, is this guy American or Irish? Because I can't tell because he does both of them well. And I looked it up. He's American. Um, But (laughs) I was just like very, very surprised by that. And I honestly think that like that made me enjoy the book a lot more than if I had just read the book straight up. Um, which honestly, like, I don't think there's a kind of higher compliment that you can play give to an audiobook, you know, like audiobooks in general, like should kind of bring something to the experience uh, of reading a book and if, if they're done well, and I definitely feel like this one definitely was so if you are someone who like, you know, loves Tana French or enjoys Tana French at all, and you are maybe having a harder time getting into the searcher because it is a slower paced book. And like me, you don't have the patience for it. But you do want to read the book. I definitely recommend giving the audiobook a try because honestly, I found it to be really, really well done. Like I think I listened to the whole audiobook over the course of a weekend, um, because I just kind of had it playing in the background as I did basically everything over the course of the weekend. <laughs> so, you know, like it's it's not a short book by any means, but I definitely uh, really enjoyed that audiobook. Yeah. And I will say I have listened to most of Tana French's books on audio and I can't remember, I'm really bad at remembering narrator. So I can't remember if he's done anything with any of her previous books, but I have listened to, I think the first five on audio and they are fantastic. Like listening for me, listening to Faithful Place, the third book in the series, before that one was fairly low on my list in terms of my favorite ton of French novels, listening to it on audio and listening to the narrator do Frank Mackey, 
It was so superb. It rocketed that book, although it was so close to the to the top with how he narrated it. They're absolutely brilliant on audio. So if if you need any more of a push to try either The Searcher or any of Tana French's books on audio, do it. They are unbelievable. Okay, now I want to reread all her books on audio. <laughs> yeah, no, that's honestly what I was doing. I think I only read up through, I think I read through The Secret Place. I don't think I've listened to The Trespasser, and I know I have not listened to The Witch Elm. But they are just, they're incredible. Absolutely incredible. All right. So with that, uh, feel free to let us know if there are any like audiobooks that you've really enjoyed, whether they are mystery, suspense, thriller, true crime, anything along those lines, and, you know, kind of what you're looking for when you are listening to an audiobook. All right. And then with that, um, we're going to we're going to jump into our new releases. But a quick note, the fall publishing season has been really jam packed with a ton of titles, except for like mysteries and suspense novels. It seems like it's it was really slim pickings this for this episode. So our new releases is going to sadly going to be a little bit shorter than it usually is. But Rincy, why don't why don't you go ahead and jump in? You put your you you put your pick down first, you you get to talk about it first. (laughs) So the book that I picked for uh, this episode is Fortune Favors the Dead by Stephen Spotswood. And this one comes out on October 27th. So this is uh, basically a historical mystery. And it gives me kind of like golden age mystery vibe. Um, It's set in 1942, and Willow Jean Will Parker is a scrappy circus runaway whose knife-throwing skills has just saved the life of New York's best and most unorthodox private investigator Lillian Pentecost. When the dapper detective summons Will a few days later, she doesn't expect to be offered a life-changing proposition. Lillian's multiple sclerosis means that she can't keep up with her old caseload alone, so she wants to hire Will to be her right-hand woman. In return, Will is to receive a salary, room and board, and training in Lillian's very particular art of investigation. Three years later, Will and Lillian are on the Collins case. Abigail Collins was found bludgeoned to death with a crystal ball following a big boozy Halloween party at her home. Her body slumped in the same chair where her steel magnate husband shot himself the year before. With rumors flying that Abigail was bumped off by the vengeful spirit of her husband because who else could have gotten inside the locked room, the family has tasked the detectives with finding answers where the police have failed. But that's easier said than done in a case that involves messages from the dead, a seductive spiritualist, and Becca Collins, the beautiful daughter of the deceased, who Will quickly starts falling for. When Will and Becca's relationship dances beyond the professional, Will finds herself in dangerous territory and discovers that she may have become the murderer's next target. So again, this is a fun, charming, fast-paced mystery. It has, you know, kind of like these hallmarks of hard-boiled classics and is introducing this new uh, detective duo, Pentecost and Parker. And it just sounds really fun. And also the cover is really cool. It has like this illustrated kind of like 1940s, 50-esque style to it. I highly recommend looking it up if you can. But I just saw this one. I was like, oh, this sounds like really charming and kind of really great for this like year of where I don't want things that are too heavy. But this seems like a really fun and fast paced kind of like if you enjoy historical mysteries and stuff like that. So again, that book is called Fortune Favors the Dead by Stephen Spotswood. All right. And then my pick is A Solitude of Wolverines by Alice Henderson, which also comes out on the 27th. And this is the first book in a new series. And the main character, Alex Carter, is a wildlife biologist who is studying wolverines on a wildlife sanctuary in Montana. 
And while she's there, she is run off the road and threatened by locals who are determined to force her off of the land. But she is undeterred in her mission to help save the wolverines. And so she tracks them on foot and with cameras positioned in remote regions of the sanctuary. But when she reviews the photos, she discovers disturbing images of a severely injured man who is seemingly lost and wandering in the wilderness. After searches for the unknown man come up empty, local law enforcement is strangely set on dismissing the case altogether, which kind of raises Alex's suspicions. And then another invasive predator trespasses onto the preserve. Hunter turns out to be another human, and the prey is Alex Carter herself. She realizes too late that she has seen too much, and she stumbled onto a far-reaching illegal operation and now has become the biggest threat. So this series and this character is has been compared to if, if you enjoy authors like CJ Box, Nevada Bar, even Jane Harper, who we all know is a huge favorite here on Red or Dead, this would be a really interesting pick. So again, that is A Solitude of Wolverines by Alice Henderson, and that comes out on October 27th. All right. So to wrap up our show, we have our usual currently reading, have just read, whatnot section. So I haven't really finished anything besides The Searcher in terms of like mysteries, thrillers, anything along those lines. But I did just start listening to, speaking of more audiobooks, and now she's gone by Rachel Hazel Hall. Not even joking. This was an ad sponsor last episode, I believe, and it was specifically the audiobook. And I was like, oh, the audiobook, that sounds interesting. And so legitimately, I went and got the audiobook after that. So good job advertising. Um, so <laughs> I'm actually really enjoying this. I'm maybe like a quarter of the way through the audiobook. I just started it. So I'm not too far in. In this story, you are following this character named Grayson Sykes, who has just become a private investigator or she's like just she hasn't gotten her license yet, but she basically is part of this private investigation firm. And she gets put on her very first case where she is to find this missing woman named Isabel Lincoln, who um, her boyfriend basically uh, reports her missing and he like already reported to the police but you know she's an adult and they basically just think that she broke up with him and so he hires a private investigator to find her and so i'm again just at the very beginning of the story but very quickly it becomes clear that uh maybe isabel and this person's relationship is not quite as uh cozy and great as this boyfriend makes it out to seem and so grayson is like starting to question whether or not Isabel left on purpose or not. And then also, it's very clear that something has happened in Grayson's past that they are alluding to. And so I am definitely very intrigued to see sort of like what happens here and how this goes down. Because it's one of those stories where you're like, Grayson is clearly not a reliable character um, or a reliable narrator. And it's very clear that this relationship is not what it seems like in the beginning and whatnot. So I am uh, very excited to come back in a couple of weeks and tell you all more about it. And then for me, same thing. I haven't been finishing a lot of books because like I said, my brain's like Swiss cheese right now. But it is Halloween. And even though this isn't, this is definitely horror and not suspense, but it's the season and I'm bending the rules a little bit. So I started reading The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Um, I'm about halfway through it. And if you have not heard about this book yet, it has been getting so much buzz in the horror communities and the publishing communities. Stephen Graham Jones is a Native American author, and this is an own voices horror novel, which just means that going into this, because this is, has Native American characters, Native American traditions, 
you have no idea what to expect because we don't have many horror novels like this. But the general gist of the story is that about 10 years ago, four friends from the same reservation went hunting and the hunt, it took a disturbing turn. And 10 years later, they are up against an entity that is bent on revenge. And so they find themselves basically fighting the culture and the traditions that they left behind 10 years ago. So this book, I just every it's like every time I turn the page, I have no idea what to expect. Every time I think the book is going to go a certain way, it goes in a completely different direction. So I have no absolutely no idea how this book is going to end up. But it's so different. And it's so interesting that I as soon as we're done recording, that's what I'm gonna pick up again and keep reading. It's just I just I can't wait to see what all he does and what his ultimate vision for this book is. So again, that is the only good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. All right. And that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. And thank you to our sound editor, Jen Zink, for editing this episode. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen, and there will be links to all the articles that we mentioned at the top of the show, as well as links to all the books that we mentioned here today. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us and join along in talking about mysteries, thrillers, suspense, and true crime and all of that fun stuff. If you would like to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can find us at readordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincey A. And I'm on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.